0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. I cannot believe I did that. How stupid of me.
1: That reminds me while you're doing all that. I I have to tell you about when I was in college on the newspaper as a sports writer and interviewing the coach after a huge win and I thought I had the uh, back then of course we were using those little mini tape recorders. Yeah. <laughs> I had it on. Oh, and he had such great quotes and it was beautiful. And I was and he, we had such a great conversation the whole I went back to play it, and I just screamed and I just shouted and I cussed, man. None of it, none of it saved. It was so brutal. Uh,
0: we just lost ten minutes, and that's totally my fault. Uh, I won't scream though. We got a we got a test run, so. Uh. Welcome to Conversation on Tap, a podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self segregation. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we discuss all the topics you were told not to discuss in Polite Company. My name is Jose. And I'm Joel. And Joel, you just came back from a weekend camping, correct?
1: Yeah, we, um, visiting our middle son who just turned 21, had to have a beer with him, but didn't want to pay for a hotel. So if you all out there want to camp instead of get a really expensive hotel in LA, make sure you go to, um. And if you can get a spot, they're pretty tough. In Calabasas, there's a state park called Malibu Creek State Park. Really beautiful. There's some great hikes, and the mountains around there are just gorgeous. And it's six miles from Malibu, from Pepperdine, Malibu area, and about four or five miles from one-on-one. Super easy to get to, so that's what we did. And what did you do, Jose?
0: Well, you know, this weekend, we didn't really do much, but we went hiking on the Bob Jones Trail. It was about 5.25 miles around trip, which was nice.
1: Awesome, that is such a great trail. And I don't know if you noticed, but off the side, as you're leaving the parking lot, there is a um, little beer garden called the Secret Garden, which we like to hit. So those of you out there who love beer, get up to the Secret Garden. They're all closed right now, I think,
0: because of COVID, but they'll come back. That is awesome. That's a long walk, how long is that? It took, um, I wanna say like an hour and a half or something. Yeah, we're, pu- we're you know, we're pushing a stroller with a baby in it. So it takes us a little longer. Yeah, right on. Good for you. Yeah, I've been trying to lose weight. I've lost 20 pounds. I think I have 20 more to go, but trying to lose weight. Dude, that is awesome. That is really
1: good. I mean, that is a big number, Jose. And uh, maybe one of the bonuses of COVID for sure is I mean, I feel like we've been doing a little bit more than we usually do. Right on. Oh, thank
0: you. I'm trying to eat better, trying to be healthier. Cut out soda, less beer. Walks. Uh, you know, my blood pressure has been elevated. I'm on medication to, you know, get it down. Um, it's it's lower now than it was before, but it's it's still not where it should be. So we're trying out different medications with my doctor.
1: Yeah, that's that is gnarly. Uh, the silent killer. Don't mess with it. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, speaking of alcohol, or less consumption we've done the same thing in in this house and we totally started drinking every night the beginning probably to overcome our woes and it was like gin and tonics and that type of stuff and lately we just we have like one beer a a week it's so trippy and you'd think the opposite but i don't know maybe we all were going downhill and we kind of got slapped in the face and had to turn the other direction
0: yeah i think you're right at first it was drinking wine beer binging and i did put on some quarantine pounds but yeah you know it's it's been a year now so i'm trying to bring it bring it down rein myself in heck yeah yeah speaking of which you know joel i was just looking at this a minute ago we have been doing this podcast for three years
1: i was i was hoping you were going to tell us and i would have literally guessed two That is amazing. That's great. I mean, large chunks uh, missing, of course, because of COVID. But and summer vacation. But man, that is super cool. I've enjoyed it.
0: uh, Three years, sixty episodes. We started January twenty fifth, two thousand eighteen. Damn, that's nutty. That is nutty. It's crazy. (laughs) Here we are. So, what are you doing this weekend? I'm drinking Lizard's Mouth by Figueroa Mountain. Love that place, ladies.
1: Dangerous. What's yeah, the alcohol
0: level? 9%. I got thick
1: tongued from that stuff many a time.
0: Oh, yeah. My wife and I used to go into fig uh, here in town, and we would drink two of those easily, order a personal pizza, and you'd have to stay long enough to sort of sober up. That's before we had a baby.
1: <laughs> that is so awesome. That's a fun time. I am drinking Imperial Stout by Dust Bowl. Dust Bowl is out of Turlock, California. My son got me into this, and it's kind of a big deal. They've, they've gone from Turlock to Monterey. Usually, you'd think that Monterey brewery would go <laughs> to Turlock, but yeah, they've hit the big time. There's a big um, tasting room now near the wharf in Monterey, and it, they have, they make great beer, and this is um, 10%. It's called the Emperor of the North. Good stuff. Dust Bowl, you guys can get it.
0: Uh, I'll have to try that. I haven't been to Monterey in a long time. I love that place oh isn't it awesome beautiful i love all the john steinbeck stuff down at cannery row going along the wharf beautiful
1: yeah it reminds me of the avid days when we'd take our kids there to the aquarium
0: back in the day
1: that was a long day from santa Maria (laughs) there and back (laughs) in the same day oh you'd still do it i don't think i would
0: i totally would that was good times but you know it's the money that's the issue now oh yeah true And now for the segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Joel and I will each share one thing that we are passionate about for two minutes, though we tend to be a bit long-winded, so that's not a strict time limit. This week, Joel, what are you sharing with our listeners?
1: So to continue my tradition featuring psychological studies, there was a cool TED Talk a while back by a gal named Tally Sherot, or Sherot. I I actually stumbled on this because I realized that my COVID predictions were way too optimistic and my Trump predictions when he was first elected were way too optimistic. And I tend to be foolish about my predictions. I I, I tend to be way too optimistic. And so I was kind of doing some research on optimism versus uh, pessimism and found out that it's actually okay. Positive people are um, much more healthy, actually. And... um, of course, it makes us happy to be <laughs> optimistic. So that's a that's a benefit. And they actually find out that um, severely or mildly depressed people are very pessimistic about the future. But that makes perfect sense, of course. And um, but then also, um, they're actually more successful. This this gal says, wow. um, and and that may be because they you know what we expect to happen is often what we work towards, and so our actions might kind of um, mirror our expectations. So, but that's kind of interesting i'm just very interested in this question of to what extent is positive positivity like detrimental though to your life and to society i think that we could be so positive and so, so optimistic that we totally miss the future and i'm really interested in where our country's going and so that's kind of why i want to research this and if we're as a country possibly missing things signs you know that that we are in for uh, semi-cataclysmic events but i always worry about that so anyway that was kind of interesting um one kind of interesting thing that she did bring up i want to briefly talk about before we move on people change their beliefs only when the truth though was better than what they expected, which is super interesting. Like when you predict, for instance, Jose, let me ask you, what, what percentage of the population do you think uh, is going to get cancer? Oh, man, that's horrible. Uh, like,
0: yeah, I know, it's so horrible. <laughs> I don't know, like 12%. Okay, so the
1: actual percentage is pretty scary. It's 30%. Oh, wow. I know, that's nutty. And so when people predicted something like 12% or whatever, and they were told that, oh, no, it's 30%. They were more likely to stick to their original wrong number when asked later because they didn't want to face the truth. But when people out there predicted something like fifty percent, when they were asked later to tell you know what what's the real number, they they hit the number on perfectly, and that is like that is scary as humans that we we push away the truth sometimes, and I don't know it could forebode bad things. I don't know. I'm really interested in this type of
0: stuff. That's so fascinating. Yeah, Uh, isn't it that our positivity. Maybe our our inclination to be positive could be detrimental. Yeah. Yeah. It's got both. Well, just the idea that it it has both, it could be positive, right? You were saying healthier, happier, but then also I could see where someone is so positive that they're not seeing reality and how that could affect their choices.
1: Oh, I totally can, I, I always think of the Iraq war. And you, you called that from the start. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. They're, they're definitely, they're not lying to us. They're definitely going to be weapons of mass destruction. And they're going to yeah. welcome us with open arms. And I was just being entirely stupidly optimistic. And after that, I told myself, you know what? Do not be so naive anymore. But you called that. And, but you know, another a friend of ours who was on the show said, oh, no, Trump's going to win. And we're like, oh, no, we're not that stupid. And, and so that was, both of us, you know, got that wrong. It's just super interesting. I, I think it, uh, one of the most important skills is being able to predict the, the future. I think that is so huge. And wise people can do that.
0: Yeah. You have to read the tea leaves. Yes. And, and I thought at the time regarding Trump that the GOP would be more responsible than that. But I was wrong.
1: No. And they have proven themselves to be bad actors again and again. And. I've got no faith. I will never trust them anymore. Jose, I'm so interested. Well, I mean, I shouldn't force you into the religious aspect of Red Talks, but I hope you got something. I really do. I look forward to, what is Jose going to bust out this week?
0: This, This week, it wasn't, this is more of a news item of interest and less philosophical or theological, but, you know, you had COVID. We know people who've had COVID. The second oldest person in the world, just got COVID and survived.
1: Ah, oh, all right. This totally has to do with optimism. Optimism. so cool.
0: Yeah. The vast
1: majority of people would totally say that person is a goner.
0: Right. Totally. She's 117 years old. Wow. Yeah. That is so cool. So her, she's a French woman. Her name is Lucille Randon. She's the world's second oldest person at the age of 117 years young. Can you imagine she, living seventeen years after a hundred? That's crazy. She's lived through the nineteen eighteen Spanish flu, two world wars, Vietnam War, Iraq War, all kinds of SARS and all kinds of other viruses and whatnot, and now she has survived the COVID nineteen pandemic. Now the reason why I mention her is because she is also a Catholic nun. Oh nice. Yes. So her religious name is Sister Andre, um, named after her deceased brother she's blind she's confined to a wheelchair but she clearly has a lot more life left in her she's in toulon or toulon france my french is not so great um in a nursing home where there are 88 seniors living residing and 81 of them got covid 81 of 88 and 11 have died so she survived wow crazy
1: of course uh, to be that old, she probably had so many great antibodies. She just had the <laughs> smorgasbord of antibodies to, to rely on.
0: Yeah, that's probably very true. Good for her. Yeah, she um, was raised in a Protestant family, actually, in France. She converted to the Catholic Church when she was 19. When she was 40, during World War II, she joined the Daughters of Charity, which is a religious order. Um, asked if she was worried about dying because of the virus, she responded, no. I'm not scared because I wasn't scared to die. I'm happy to be with you, but I would wish to be somewhere else, join my big brother and my grandfather and my grandmother. Oh man. So, and then she just had her 117th birthday. God love
1: um, her. I would give I would pay probably $93.17 or $93.18 <laughs> uh-huh. for an hour just to pick her brain. That would be so cool. And of course, she would say, "I'm okay, Diana. I'm 117, man. I've been ready to go for like 17 years, at least, maybe 20 years, 30 years." Oh, that is so funny.
0: Would you live that long?
1: I would. Uh, we've talked about this, Jose. Uh, I would live. I have a feeling, and I think I've said this before, that every time I say, "Oh, I'm ready to go," then somebody gets in front of me and say, "Okay." Ready? Here we go. I, say, I would say, oh, no, no, no. Let's, let's wait a couple of years. again. <laughs> I would keep on doing that again and again. I don't know. I, I think that only people who aren't enjoying their life would want to go. So I'm enjoying my life too much. What about you? All right. We, and the novel that we, we both have taught, uh, this speaks a lot to that, that question. But what about you?
0: How long would you go? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, 80, 90. I can't imagine going to 117, though.
1: Okay, but what if you're at 117 and you're super happy with life?
0: If I was super happy and healthy, sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. It's, it's God's time. It's not my time.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But that's one probably divergent area with you and I. I don't know if you tow the Catholic line on euthanasia, but I would want somebody to help me to die if I was in pain. And I don't know if you uh, agree with that, but if I ever was like miserable and I needed a way to get out of life, I'd be super happy ending it myself. Are you uh, good with that idea?
0: I would not. No, I would not do that. I, though the church would say you can elect on your own to stop extraordinary measures to keep you alive. Yes, yes. So at that point, if it's an extraordinary measure, you don't have to pursue that and you can just die naturally.
1: That's why if I had to join a church, I'd be a Catholic because they're supremely commonsensical, which I love about
0: it. Yeah. Sister Andre 117 God lover. Keep going lady. <laughs> oh, <man. That's> awesome Don't give up. For the main segment of our show, Joel and I are going to go over some questions that I found in a book called The Book of Questions by Gregory Stock, Ph.D. I found it in my classroom while I was doing some spring cleaning, and I thought these would be cool to kind of bounce off Joel and, you know, kind of pick your brain there a little bit. They're super cool questions, yeah. All right, Joel, so here are some questions that I pulled from this book. Um, I'll try to keep us on a three to five minute uh, time frame here so we don't go too long. First question, what inspired you, Joel, to be a teacher? And to, as a follow-up, what inspired you to be an English teacher?
1: I don't know if English teacher would be the best um, thing because I, I wanted to be a teacher because I mean, the thrill of something just knocking me off the, my feet when I learned something super cool is just magical. And I've always just wanted to impart that I don't know if I've been able to. It's so hard. I mean, thinking you can do it and and actually doing it is so different. But, man, I love learning. And I think most teachers do so much. And, of course, I love reading. I just, I just, I spend, wait, wait, is it? Can you possibly read too much? I just love reading. And I just, so I don't read as non, or fiction. I read nonfiction. And, anyway, that's where I am as far as a teacher. Jose, I'm super, super curious why you
0: wanted to be a teacher. Oh, so for me, I, I had all sorts of careers I wanted to pursue. But when I was in high school, as a senior in high school, a teacher, Jeff Cooper, invited me to be part of the AVID program, to be a mentor in AVID. And so being a mentor was like, okay, this is something I want to do. I want to teach. I want to be part of education. And then I had a teacher in high school, Mr. Johnson, Mr. Sam Johnson. He taught psychology, but he also taught U.S. history. And I was like, oh, I want to be this super brilliant, insightful history teacher like Mr. Johnson. So it was kind of these twin um, experiences that really kind of inspired me to be a teacher. And then, you know, I I started at El Camino with being an aide and helping out teachers and, and working with kids. And it really just impacted me so much to see them learning and to see the struggles they go through and all the challenges they have to overcome disabilities or you know socioeconomic um, impediments what have you that all inspired me to want to be a teacher and of course I'm super into history I love non-fiction books like you politics so for me U.S. history is what I wanted to teach but I taught English for about eight years yeah um, also beyond that. yeah and and so for the last couple of years I've been a U.S. history teacher so
1: yeah. Um, and I'm so glad you brought up Mr. Cooper because he's inspired so many students. And it's a little shout out in our humble little podcast. But I think that any teachers deserve, you know, who've inspired deserve it. Jose, if you were to die suddenly, this is such a great question. What would you most regret not doing? I have no idea what I'm going to say. I do so much.
0: Yeah, that's the crazy thing. I guess the goal is to die and not have regrets. But if you die suddenly, at, at this point in my life, You know, I would regret not being able to finish my life with my wife and my daughter, of course. But I think I would also regret not traveling. You know, so much of my life has been school, college, working to pay bills, being a teacher. And I've not really gotten to that point in my life yet where I have the time or the income to just be like, let's go to Hawaii. Let's go to france or italy or england or what have you and that's something i really really want i want to go to italy and i want to go to rome and visit the vatican i want to go to london and cross the bridge there's all these things i want to do i just need the income uh, and i need the time so that that that's my regret that would be my regret i was
1: where you are for the public if you don't know it teachers start out very humbly but we do end up making i'm making over a hundred thousand dollars now and a lot of People in the public be like, "Holy smokes, teachers shouldn't." But if you average it out, it, it's not what a normal a college uh, graduate would make. But anyway, Jose, you'll you'll get there, and um, I'm getting chicken skin, as they say in Hawaii. Imagining us on the beach, sitting there watching a sunset on my west side of Hawaii, because uh, we are going to live there. We already have it all arranged now. We've, that's finally come through. We're going to live on the west side of Hawaii, and, and you and uh, I shouldn't. I don't know if you're. Wants me to say your name and and your daughter and your other kids. Maybe uh, that is giving me chicken skin as I say Hawaii.
0: Uh, I would love that, Joel. Just I would love to go to Hawaii with you guys, regardless, because you guys are the pros. I want you to take us at some point and show us where the, you know, the cool local spots are, not just the touristy spots.
1: Exactly. And that's, that's the thing you, uh, you can see it and still have a great time in Hawaii without any of the culture. But to me, the culture is what you'd miss. And I would just really, I would try to infuse the culture into your visit and, and the love of the, of the land and, and the traditions that Hawaiians have. Oh, I would basically, by the way, say the same thing. I would miss, um, not traveling. And also my grandkids. I'm looking mm. forward to just being with my grandkids in Hawaii and all over the world or just here in my house. So, yeah, we agree with that.
0: And so, okay, so that kind of ties everything in with Ohana, Hawaii, family. I don't know how much you want to talk about your kids on here, but is your oldest son? Is he uh, looking to get married soon? Uh, I wouldn't want to speak for him. You, you could assume that probably
1: is, is all we'd say, but... Um, Yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's fine. Okay, third question. All right, Joel, this is where your positivity will come in. Will the world be a better place in 100 years or not?
1: One of the most striking things when you ask people, and it actually breaks down by race, um, what has happened with the violent crimes in the last 50, 30, 20 years? And especially white people, oh, it's gone up. And when you ask about the other things, even like wars and diseases, or even like income, like the world income, has the world income gone up? A lot of people, maybe, I think it's actually most people are pessimists. And I think that there's no chance that the world won't be a better place in 100 years. The, the only thing, the little kind of voice in my head say, there is going to be a point when individuals are so powerful because of knowledge and ability to make things with like Um, the ability of technology to make um, individuals very, very powerful. Like, for instance, I think in the future we'll be able to not maybe make a nuclear bomb, but make things that are super, super destructive. That might get in the way because there will probably be nutty people with this power. So that's the only thing that scares me, but I think maybe technology will find a way to get past that. So that's where I am on that. I'm very, very optimistic. I'm a super optimistic
0: person. I think I'm optimistic as well. I would say that If I had to guess, things will be better in 100 years. Because I think if you look at the course of history, things do improve. The arc of history bends towards justice, as Barack Obama loves to say. Yeah, And so I think as time goes on, rights will expand. People will become more open to economic justice, social justice. Technology, I think, will greatly improve, maybe to the point that we're able to help the poor or developing nations kind of catch up yeah maybe we'll have more time to have leisure in less working time if technology is able to pick up some of these more menial or you know kind of repetitive tasks so
1: i totally agree i mean the artistic pursuits are going to increase and that's going to make people's quality of life just increase so much yeah
0: oh yeah I, I do share your concern though about technology that We could have some Skynet AI gone amok situation, but I would hope that we would all listen to Malcolm from Jurassic Park. Like, just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should do something. Yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Because you can create this technology doesn't mean you need to. Because I think there are some ethical questions that maybe scientists don't always consider. Because they think, oh, this is a new like, frontier. But they're actually opening up a Pandora's box that would do more harm than good.
1: Totally agree. And we may come out to be so naive on this, but oh well. I think that if you're going to err, we don't know. That's the bottom line. If you're going to err, you've got to err on the optimistic side. Otherwise, you just curmudgeon. And man, with curmudgeons are wrong, you could have been optimistic and you got it wrong on the wrong side. That's bad. All right, if you could gain a superpower, what would it be, Jose? I'm super, because you are a superhero guy.
0: I actually thought about this question because there are so many, you know, superpowers out there. And I thought, well, maybe I could be like Deadpool and sort of be invulnerable or have a fast healing factor. Um, I thought, well, you know, it'd be cool to be invisible. It's like when I was in high school, I would have said, It'd be cool to be invisible and go into the girl's locker room or whatever. But I think now, as an adult, I would love to fly. It'd be so fun. Just fly up in the sky, fly across town, fly up and be with the clouds, maybe flying alongside of some birds or geese airplanes. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be fun. What do you think, Joel?
1: There is such a good um, This American Life on whether you choose invisibility versus flying. and. Uh, but mine would be. I just thought of this, by the way, right now. I would love to have the superpower of being able to predict the future. I would be such a idiot and scold, though. I'll be constantly going around scolding people, like, "Hey, man, stop doing that! Stop doing that! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Stop that!" I'd probably be like the least liked person in the world. Like, I know we know we know some people that are scolds, but they end up being right. But uh, uh, I don't know. But I I, I think my um, superhero um, moniker would be. The Prophet. And I, I, I think it'd be super, because I'm always into not intelligence. I think people overhype intelligence. Wisdom is way more important than intelligence. And and wisdom to me is just being able to predict the future entirely. So that's fine.
0: Have you watched that movie, The Dead Zone, with Christopher Walken?
1: I am so old. I think that I have. Why wouldn't I? Isn't that a um, King novel? That Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah.
0: It's a Stephen King yeah, it's a Stephen King novel made into a movie starring Christopher Walken And he has that power. Like if he touches someone, like if he grabs them by the hand, he can see their future. It's like, oh my god, you're gonna go into a car accident, you're gonna you're gonna die. Like that's a terrible impression. But yeah, he <laughs> That
1: was can actually see. really good. And that makes me totally wanna to go watch that right now because <laughs> that would, that's a curse also. I mean it's a double curse to be able to see that.
0: Yeah, it's a great movie. So, I, I, yeah, be the prophet, Joel. If you had the power, that's what you should be.
1: <laughs> That'd be cool. It'd be cool and it would suck. Yeah. Uh, Jose, what was a dream that you've had that was so vivid that you still remember? These these are freaking awesome questions.
0: Yeah, this, this book has a lot of great questions. These, these are just a few from this book. There's like 200 questions. Man, I, I used to be in a, a class on dream interpretation when I was at UCSB.
1: Oh. Yeah. I that was not scientific.
0: No. Well, the thing is, is it wasn't very scientific, but it, it was based on a lot of work by Freud, Jung, all these sort of famous psychiatrists. But it was super fascinating, and I, I kept a dream journal, and I wrote down my dreams. But after that, after that class, I cannot mm-hmm. remember my dreams. So like for like over 10 years, 15 years or whatever, I've not been able to remember my dreams. But I, there was a dream I had, a recurring dream I had growing up, where, see, it's hard to even now rem- remember, but going out into the field, I used to live in Orchid, and behind my house was this huge field, this gully. Like, so our house would be kind like of up on a hill, and it would slope down into this big field area. And so I would be going out there, and there would be people who would try to chase me and hurt me. And they would throw things, throw objects. And so I would try to make my way out of there and get home. But I couldn't. I'd get lost. Yeah, so I had that same dream over and over and over again growing up when I lived over there.
1: Man, I love that. I love dreams. I love the ones we can remember and how weird they are. Mine was, mine always, my most powerful are always in church. And I am the most I hate formalities. It's just hate I don't know what it is. Hawaii is kind of informal and not. And uh, church is super formal. And sometimes formalities get in the way of doing what's right. And one time in church, in my dream, uh, baby was either shunned or hurt or something, crying because you know you're not supposed to cry in church. And I woke up crying from that dream because I was supposed to have that baby And uh, <laughs> that is so. So like important for my like, philosophy of life, like not allowing, you know, like with Hawaiians to how the church said, you can't hula, you can't surf, you can't do fun things. And it's super like really important. And But that man, I cried so hard waking up from that. I'll never forget that dream. You can't like tell a baby not to cry. You know, that's a beautiful thing, you know. But anyway, yeah, I don't mind getting rid of it. Hey, get that baby out of here. Make that baby go back to the, you know, the kid's room. That's that's okay or not, you know. Have no problem if the baby wants to cry. It's hard to listen to the sermon when the baby's crying, but that's an awesome part of life.
0: No, that really is, and you know, at church sometimes, you know, kids will run around and play and cry and and whatnot. It's very democratic, I must say, when you're in mass or in some church service and kids are running around, and and you will have that sour puss who kind of scolds or has that. And here's the deal: it's the formality.
1: To me, that causes that sourpussness. Is mm-hmm. that a word? But um, if the, if it was a little in, more informal, and I think that informal and love kind of come together here, there wouldn't be like, yeah, who cares? It's a kid. That's part of life. That's us go on with service, and I don't know.
0: Yeah, you're supposed to bring the children to Christ, yeah. right? Oh,
1: that's that's it. That's that part of it. That was part of my dream. You know, let the children come to me. Yes, of course. course. Thanks for bringing that part of.
0: Me. All right, Joel. Next question. Have you ever killed an animal and ate it?
1: I am um, not a hunter, but like I think the very first time I ever killed an animal, I was every year. Me and my buddy would, uh, my family would go to Dixer. And one of the most, in my opinion, beautiful spots in the world is camp. And there's a beautiful river full of crawdads or crawfish. And it depends on what part of the country you live in. And so we would go down, believe it or not, with and snorkel from the top of the river, the gorge is what they called it, to the bottom, with our net and our and snorkels. And we'd catch about three or four crawdads. We actually got caught once by the ranger. You're not supposed to eat the crawdads in the river. But anyway, we cooked them up and that was probably the first time I ever killed an animal that I ate. And it was tiny. It was literally one little tiny mouthful and it was good. We uh, fried it up with butter. And the ranger caught it. And we were kind of like, don't do that again. And then I've fished with uh, the great Larry McMorris in El Camino. Jose, you too.
0: I was dating this gal. You might remember her from way back when. And her dad thought that I was not very, I don't know. I wasn't very manly. And so her dad was an outdoorsy kind of guy. And he's, he invited me to go fishing with him. And so I, I finally decided, okay, I'll go. I didn't really want to, but sure, why not? And we went out to uh, Port San Louis, got in a boat, and sailed out to go fishing. And I was fine. I, I used his fishing rod, cast my, my line, and after a few minutes, I caught this huge fish. It was massive. It was like orangey red. I think it was like rockfish or something. Hell yeah. We taught him who was mad. That's right. And I I reeled it in. I had some people helping me and I brought it on and someone came over and put it like in a burlap bag and they gave me a club. I was like, (laughs) what, 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 what what, what do I do now? And like, you hit it. I'm like, what? So I'm like meekly hitting, clubbing this poor fish in this bag it's just flopping around and he ended up taking the club and killing the fish doing the coup de gras for me i couldn't i couldn't <laughs> kill it and uh, ultimately what happened was is i threw my line out again and i got caught on another person's line and so we brought our poles in and i went to untangle our lines and the lines spinning as they unspun i guess you know became untangled disentangled and then watching the boat and the ocean go up and down i just like instantly was overcome with seasickness and vomited (laughs) and i spent the remainder of the boat like in the little room just laying down wishing i was dead
1: oh i just i just i keep on thinking of this father thinking oh this i would own it man (laughs) you guys are wrong this uh, talk masculinity and this idea that hunting it goes along with it is so ridiculous and so yeah. every chance i have of being like effeminate or whatever around these pools, i just want to push that man that is awesome And just yeah. see how they did was he um was he disappointed jose
0: he was proud initially that i caught the fish but then disappointed like that. <laughs> At the
1: it's, end, it's, because that's such a chance deal, you know, like catching a fish. <laughs> like, yeah, your femininity was totally obscured by uh, something, and you were able to catch that fish.
0: Yeah, and then to make it worse, I was totally grossed out because when we got back to you know the dock, you know he put all the fish like in this trough and like gutted it in, peeled every all the, <laughs> and I was like, I can't watch. I'm gonna go stand over there. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It was not good. It was not a good situation,
1: Jose. Who is one of your oldest friends and what has maintained your friendship
0: so it's, it's funny because i actually moved around a lot growing up i didn't really stay in one place more than a couple of years but when i got to high school my life became more consistent in where i was living and uh, i became friends with this guy named philip um you might know philip he went to your guys's church yeah yeah oh. super cool and he got me into punk rock and you know we would he would drive around town and we'd be in his VW bug and rocking out to our punk rock. And we got arrested together and we had all kinds of fun adventures. So, and we're, we're practically neighbors now. He lives like two doors down. We keep in touch and it's, we're adults. It's funny. You know, we're both approaching 40 and how do you get to see him often? I see. I don't talk to him that much, especially now during COVID, but, um, We've invited him over to our house a few times and he's come over and he's brought me things for my house and we'll talk. And every time we talk, it's like we're just picking up a conversation that we left off, you know, not too long ago. it, it just, we just fall back into the same rhythm, the same jokes, the same inside jokes, the same sort of humor. And
1: oh, I love that. And your, your expression falling back is so perfect. It just, it happens so naturally just like falling right into the old habits. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, wow. We haven't seen each other in 10 years and we're uh, talking as if we haven't, you know, missed a day.
0: So yeah, as though I just as though I just talked to you yesterday. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. We're both married now and yeah, it's it's trippy. It blows my mind. So I have
1: uh, two in town and one on the East Coast that we like formed a super tight bond from third grade, literally third grade. And we constantly text still. And when we get together, which is super rare, it is just like, man, we have not missed a beat. It is crazy. I mean, what I love is just busting a gut. Because when I get together with these guys, it's just, I mean, it is funny. It is so funny. They bring up stuff that is, we were so nutty and goofy. And just lame back in the day, and we bring that stuff up, and it's just you just cry, you cry from laughing, and it's so beautiful and then i have I have a, a buddy though that we didn't meet till junior high, and this guy we like really bonded because of music, we love to play guitar, and we love the outdoors, and he, this guy is more liberal probably than the other ones, and so we bonded on that, and that guy became a teacher, so that is Really fun to talk shop with him on that, yeah, you know what? old friends are just
0: so important It's like an old shoe, it just fits yeah, you just fall into it that's right, I like that all right, Joel, next question, moving along here, who do you admire most, and how does that person inspire you?
1: All right, so Jose, you sent these questions to me beforehand, and this one took a bit. I um would have said, like John Muir until he was called out for being, I don't know if it was racist or, I think it was racist, yeah. And, you know, I don't totally agree with the whole council culture at all. But enough to say, yeah, I can't have him on the top anymore. I think Nelson Mandela, though, would probably fit the bill just because, I mean, that guy gave up everything seriously to help a boatload of people. And it worked, too. It actually ended up working. and. That guy 's a stud, so I would have to go with Nelson Mandela if you guys want to own up on his life, his imprisonment on the island outside of South Africa, and his steadfastness for his people i mean it's it 's not great for the Africans still, but it 's getting better. Jose, what about you?
0: Okay, so I have a couple of answers here um so first of all, just immediately, I would say my wife, Christina, she definitely inspires me. you know she is someone who is so big hearted so generous so giving and uh, she's very faithful and she's really um, encouraged me and inspired me to you know be more serious in my faith to take more time to be in prayer reading you know the word the Bible so she's really been yeah a big influence uh, very inspirational in my life and one of the things that really drew me to her initially was the fact that she was so giving you know she would go out of her way being so selfless for other people, even me doing this podcast, you know, she's taking care of our, (laughs) taking care of our child. So I can, I can do this. Jose, um, this has nothing to do
1: with what you just said, but I want to retract what I just said and actually say my wife also was my, (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) I have to do that. because uh, You totally, uh, you, I mean, that's so true we can only do what we do because of our foundation.
0: Totally. And I'm not just saying that to to get brownie points. It's it's no, no. True.
1: Absolutely.
0: But um so to to take like the aerial view, the 50,000 feet up in the air view. Um for me, I would also say Bobby Kennedy. Oh, um yes. Absolutely loved, you know, here is this person of privilege snot-nosed kid maybe initially very maybe entitled um when he was uh, in his brother's administration john f kennedy um this president his administration he was the attorney general very aggressive very much the bulldog but here's a man who after his brother was assassinated pushed deeper into his faith became more empathetic sympathetic of other people and their suffering um totally dramatically changed his life. And he became an advocate for social justice. He became one of the you know, heroes of the civil rights. He inspired a whole generation of people who were against the Vietnam War, inspired people to you know fight for people who were Black, just on and on and on. And Here's a person who suffered so greatly and then used that suffering to do so much good. Um, and, and of course, he himself three months after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated.
2: Did they know about Martin Luther King?
0: And by the way, if you've never heard Robert Kennedy's speech when he told the audience, the crowd he was with, that Martin Luther King Jr. had been assassinated, oh, it's heartbreaking.
2: I have some very sad news for all of you, and that is that Martin Luther King was shot and was killed tonight in Memphis. That-
0: He just gave this impromptu speech with this crowd of um, predominantly black uh, voters. Heartbreaking.
2: What we need in the United States is not division. What we need in the United States is not hatred. What we need in the United States is not violence and lawlessness, but is love and wisdom and compassion toward one another. Feeling of justice toward those who still suffer within our country, whether they be white or whether they be black, and what dedicate ourselves to what the Greeks wrote so many years ago, to tame the savageness of man and make gentle the life of this world, let us dedicate ourselves to that.
0: And within three months, he himself was assassinated. So powerful, inspiring figure for me. And I love John F. Kennedy. That's one of my favorite presidents. But... Bobby Kennedy for me is number one.
1: Jose, I'm super interested in the idea. Would he have won?
0: Oh, totally. He would have won okay. the election. Yeah. Okay. And in fact, the fact the fact that he ran for election pushed LBJ out. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Okay. Wow. I'm gonna like read something. So send me a text on a good book um, that I should read about him because he always strikes me as being somebody that didn't yeah, I don't know if this is too strong, but Christ-like, you know, and giving up, you know, he was obviously very rich and but giving up a lot for social justice. Wow.
0: Yeah, at first he did not. He was um one of those people who are like, hey people, (laughs) hey blacks, take your time. It's not a big deal. Um, very anti-union, even. But it was after his brother was assassinated and he went through so much grief.
2: I would only say that I can also feel in my own heart the same kind of feeling. I had a member of my family killed, but he was killed by a white man.
0: And he had this full 180 conversion. um, Powerful, powerful human being.
1: Wow. Like Saul. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, What was a life lesson you learned the hard way, Jose? This is such a great question, because this one can teach theories. I'm going to teach something right now, my brothers and sisters out there.
0: Nice. I actually have a lot, but um, I'll stick to just one. <laughs> Me too. So when I was, um, oh man, at least five, maybe at, at most five years old, I was living in Sacramento with my, my grandparents. We had a dog, an Australian shepherd, and I was teasing the animal. I had like food in my hand. I think I had a chip. And I would give it to the dog and then take it away. Give it to the dog, take it away. And then I would eat it. Well, one time, faked that I was giving it to the dog, put it in my mouth, and the dog bit right through my lip. So if you look, I don't know what this little niche on your lip is called. You know, this space under your nose to your lip. The part where the angel puts um, her
1: finger. Whatever it's called.
0: I have a scar. That goes from my nostril, goes all the way through my lip, all the way through. I don't
1: know if I've ever seen that. That is so crazy. You kind of see it. Yeah. Now, Jose, has that been metaphorical as in don't tempt fate? Ooh, now it is. <laughs> <laughs> now it is, yeah.
0: <laughs> it, was, uh, it was always don't get too close to dogs. And I love dogs. Like, Joel, I love Duke. Your guys' dog, Duke. I love your dog. But I would never put my face near a dog's face ever again. And my lip literally was cut in half; like it was two flaps, like curtains. Wow! And my mom was crying. I didn't. I was trying to get her to stop crying, so I flapped my two flaps of lips together, and it made her cry even more. But <laughs> yeah,
1: look, mom, I can do this. Look what I can do. Look what I can do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but my. Yeah. is i mean the the overall idea is just take care of yourself but as teachers we don't get to use the bathroom when we want we don't we are we are on stage when we're on which is like the huge majority of the time and so for years and years i just flew not drink water and so last year i had to get um it's called um i can't remember but you get your stone in your kidney blasted by sound waves and i went When you have stones in your kidney, you throw up from the pain. That's how gnarly it is. And I went through those uh, episodes, those throwing up episodes, several times. And it is not to be messed with. The uh, minor idea, which is really minor, is just drink water. But the overall idea is just don't like wait. Don't wait with your health. Like Jose, we talked about already. I mean, that just makes me so happy going through what I did that you've lost those pounds and. And because you can't wait till you have a heart attack with with blood pressure. You can't wait till you're getting kidney stones and you're freaking throwing up. I threw up in front of my kids. How embarrassing is that? That sucks. Oh, man. Yeah, that's definitely mine with health. You know, the thing about it is actually doing it, that's a whole different thing. And, you know, finding the willpower is, I'm not going to tell anybody they suck for not having the willpower because I am that person. So if you can do it, good for you. And, and just keep on trying. If you can't do it, by the way, one thing I think is a problem is you feel down on yourself for not being able to, to get back on the horse. But, uh, I think one thing is like, if you can't get back on the horse, don't feel down on yourself because I think that uh, makes it harder to get back on the horse and to, to try again. Like I would go, you know, several days, um, not doing pushups when I was, when I was doing that. And then, and then, then I said, oh, I'm giving up. That's stupid. You know, just keep it going after a whole month of not doing it. Just get back on the horse.
0: That's good. That's good advice. Yeah. Keep going.
1: Just keep going. Who cares
0: if we fail? We are failures, all of us
1: humans. That's right.
0: (laughs) All right. Last.
1: Which is truthful and it's taken too far by Protestants, I think, sometimes. But it can be really instructive.
0: Yeah. We're not heaps of (laughs) dung. We are not. We are not. All right. Last question here, Joel. If you could choose a book to be mandatory reading, what book would it be and why?
1: Man, as an English teacher, this one speaks to me. Holy smack. I was about to say Siddhartha, but that's for older people. I was going to say like uh, Catcher on the Ride, but that's for people in college. I was going to say maybe like Narnia series for youngsters. And, but then I was going to try to bring it back to something really general. Whatever gets you to read. And so for me, it was Narnia, and and that just grabbed me. But uh, man, uh, I don't know if that would be the book series for everybody, but whatever gets you to read, because, I mean, it makes you read, it's good. So whatever gets you to read. For me, I guess Narnia got me to read um, continually. After that, I I searched for something that could really catch my imagination the same way as uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and the whole. Which is funny because that's a whole, that's uh, metaphorically Christian, but I mean, as a little kid, you have no idea that it's like Christian. So, anyway, Jose, I cannot wait to hear. If it's not fiction, I am going to do a backflip.
0: That's funny. So, okay, so just to add on to what you said, though, did you know that contemporaneously J.R.R. R. Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings?
1: Because I could totally pick that too. I mean, it is so tedious. But that's what builds this world in your brain. Yeah. I mean, they're paragraph on paragraph, no, page on page of tediousness of building this world. And it gets kind of boring unless you're a nutcase and you're just into it, which is beautiful. Wow, that's cool.
0: Yeah, those two were friends. And I believe um, J.R. Tolkien converted C.S. Lewis to Christianity.
1: That's nutty. But- Especially because Christian. Uh, Lewis was is the number one right? Come on, mm-hmm. apologist for Christianity. He, who would have to be number one?
0: Oh yeah, I'm reading several of his books right now. He's so good.
1: Mere Christianity. I've read that and I, so many of his books. Yeah, oh, he's so good. He's just he's a master.
0: Yeah. So if, if I were to say, I would say one. Obviously, I would say read the Bible. There's so much good literature in that. Yeah. This. yeah.
1: He, yeah and I, as a as an atheist slash agnostic. Hell yes. And if you, I mean, you're an atheist and you stay away from the Bible because you're an atheist, that's
0: baloney. You're missing out, basically. There's so much um, Proverbs, you know, the Psalms, um, just the stories, everything is so good. Um, And in addition to that, though, I would say, you know, I'm going to say a fiction book, actually, Joel. Oh, you are surprising me and making me, I'm so curious right now. So as you know, I spent a lot of my life my formative years being anti-war 9/11 was a very like a turning point in my life and then the wars that followed Afghanistan and, and one of the books that I had gone back to repeatedly is a book called "The Things They Carried" by Tim O'Brien. Have you heard of this novel?:
1: I think just very, very minimally
0: it's, it's, I, it's a I, fictional I, memoir really it's, it's one of those books where it's like partly true. But then there's also elements of fiction in it. And so it's about this guy, Tim O'Brien, and he goes to Vietnam. And it's this whole story of this man who goes into the fog of war. And that's why there's fictional elements. Because what do you remember? And then how accurate is what you remember? And then sometimes the fictional things your brain invents is more true than the actual events. Yep. And he spends a lot of time in this book, The Things They Carried, saying, I carried this gun and it weighed X amount of pounds. I carried this canteen. And he goes through and he says all these things that he's carried. But the one thing he doesn't explicitly say, I guess, is the trauma, the memories, the experiences. Those are the things that he carries even to this day. It's a powerful, powerful story. I would recommend that to everyone. It shows kind of the horror of war, the the fog of war, the, the bizarre nature of war. So that one of the characters, his name is Lemon, and he steps on this landmine, and it blows his body to pieces. He's just brutally killed in this landmine explosion. And in the author's telling, he slows down time, and he's describing this explosion in beautiful terms. Even though it's a horrific a horrific experience, he's explaining how beautiful it kind of looked. And the next moment, it, they're climbing this tree, and the guy, one of the other soldiers in his platoon, starts singing a song called Lemon Tree. I've never heard the song before. There's a song apparently called Lemon Tree, and he's singing this song called Lemon Tree as they're taking the guy's arms, legs, body pieces out of this tree.
1: Ouchie, wala.
0: Yeah, and there's another character named kiowa who is this native american dude and he's one of the most wise characters of this book and his death is just he just slowly sinks into and he drowns it's this huge sewer it's just powerful my goodness so i recommend this book it's it's really fascinating there are moments where it's depressing but it is there is a positive tone to the book
1: but also uh some people need that because we need to be like, really, um, hey, let's not go to war. Let's yeah. just not. But for me, it was Catch 22, which is a lot of people's favorite book. And it was my favorite book of all time. And yeah. I didn't bring it up because most people are just, my kids will not read it. They're just bored to death of it. But I couldn't get enough of it. It's like kind of ma- like mash. You know, the series. Wow. Oh, I can't wait to pick that up, Jose.
0: Yeah, check it out. And a book that's I would say would be a good companion to that would be um, Johnny Got His Gun. Have you ever read that book?
1: Yeah, you told me about that book. I read it, and go go read that. But so that's the one that you told me about long time ago And I read that. Go read that. Yeah.
0: Oh, crazy book. It's so good. So for people who don't know the premise, I believe it takes place during World War One, And this character, he gets blown up and he survives and because of like modern science modern medicine he's able to be kept alive but he has like no jaws he can't speak no tongue um i believe he's blind
1: were you ever like drawn to that as a a a speaker um with your hands and like a a non-typical communicator
0: i never I never thought of that. That's a good point. Yeah. Being able to communicate in other ways besides verbal communication. Yeah. 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 Depressing because he communicates using SOS by hitting his head on a pillow. Oh. So it's really good. Ooh. Another powerful anti-war book. But check it out. The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien. Yeah. I hate metaphors. People
1: bring up metaphors. Come on. Metaphors are real people. They yes. are real. Powerful. Yep.
0: All right, Joel, that was a great discussion. I'm so glad that we had a moment to do that. Woo. Lots of good questions.
1: Super fun. I can't wait for my grandkids to listen to this. They won't, but maybe
0: one or two. Yeah. Spread the news. yeah, they'll listen. They'll listen. All right, Joel. So in this segment of our show, we like to discuss what we're watching, what we're reading, what we're listening to. What do you have for us this week? I was the um, beneficiary
1: of a password that got me into uh, Apple TV and um, the great TV show, Ted Lasso. So for those of you that that like really kind of like, oh, Sound of Music, like really happy and positive and characters that are over the top, ridiculously positive and schmaltzy, nice, I guess. That's Ted Lasso.
0: Coach, is it true in America you guys have so many beautiful dogs in pounds that some get put down for no reason? That is true, Sam. But it's also something a lot of female singer-songwriters are trying to
1: change. And um, if you love sports and you love uh, sort of, I guess, um, naive uh, comedies, this is for you. Look, I don't know a lot about this stuff. You know, I don't know about curses. Uh, but I do know this. They don't last forever. You okay? look at the Boston Red Sox curse, that's over. Chicago Cubs over. Heck, even Mr. Martin Scorsese finally won his Oscar. But I think we can all agree that The Departed is not necessarily his best work. I, I, I We finished uh, the whole the whole season. I can't wait for the next one. Um, Ted Lasso on Apple TV. Musically, be great and very independent. Pop your hands, say yeah. Musical group from, I think, New Jersey. I don't know for sure. Uh, just came out with a great album, and I love it. Pop your hand say yes, new album. I can't remember the name of it. Just go check it out. Oh, man. Also, look into the fact that they just refused to sign with a major label and how they did everything themselves, and you can do that these days. It is so beautiful, but it's a great album. Jose, wow.
0: what do you have? Uh, I, I feel like I've been watching a lot of crappy TV, but one thing I did watch on Netflix, a movie called the Trial of the Chicago Seven. It's on Netflix. Written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. It stars Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, he's brilliant as Abby Hoffman. Yeah, so, Sasha Cohen. So good. Eddie Redmayne. he's Tom Hayden. Joseph Gordon Levitt, he plays the prosecutor, Richard Schultz. Uh, so Aaron Sorkin writes the story about these. It's kind of leftists these radical figures during the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago they organized this big rally a big protest and it, became, it it got out of control basically and there was a riot and these seven people were arrested and put on trial very timely right with all the black lives matter protests and now trump you know, impeached for inciting a riot but the riot was not a riot initially, it was a peaceful protest, but it was the Chicago police, the National Guard, who escalated the situation, they incited it, the city of Chicago could have helped because they went to apply for permits, they asked for help from the city, the city refused to help them. We want to underscore again that we're coming to Chicago peacefully, but whether we're given permits or not, we're coming. And so, as they go on trial, and by the way, the The judge, his name is Judge Hoffman, and so he repeatedly insists that he's not related to Abby Hoffman, played by Sasha Baron Cohen, keeps insisting of no relation. And at one point, Abby Hoffman says, but father, (laughs) it's so funny, but you see as the story progresses that these people are very passionate. They're um, protesting wrongs like the Vietnam War primarily, and kind of the corrupt process of the Democratic National Convention. And it shows how they wanted to just peacefully protest, peacefully assemble, but the police continually harassed them and ultimately beat them savagely. And the police got off scot-free, National Guard got off, got off scot-free, but these seven people, uh, you know, they ended up being arrested and punished for basically you know, trying to gather and speak truth against the Vietnam War, but uh, the establishment didn't want to hear it. When we walked in here this morning, they were chanting that the whole world is watching. So check it out. It's up for lots of awards, the SAG Awards, Golden Globes. I'm sure it's got a bunch of Oscar nominations as well. Sacha Baron Cohen, so good. Hilarious, but also very serious and dramatic when he needs to be.
1: Love when I get something that very night that is going to make my night just beautiful. Thank you so much.
0: Go check it out, Joel. It's good. It's on Netflix.
1: I am going to do that. Everything, I, I mean, I love the guy. So everything he's done, I love.
0: So good. All right, guys, thank you. That's all for this week. We appreciate so much that you joined us here on our humble little podcast you could do us a huge favor though by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts such as stitcher podbean google play or apple podcasts and be sure to rate our show and leave a review your rating will help others find this show and be sure to find us on facebook instagram and twitter at conversation on tab thanks for listening so good talking to you joel thanks everyone cheers Cheers.
1: That was fun, Jose.